Hi, I'm Eric Poulin. And I'm Robin Poulin. We're the co-founders of Calendar Budget, and welcome to the Calendar Budget Podcast. I can pay cash, I can pay check, I can pay wire transfer, I can pay gift card, I can pay credit, I can pay anything you like. I can pay cash, I can pay check, I can pay wire transfer, I can pay gift card, I can pay credit, I can pay anything you like. Okay, here we are back at the board, as they say, ready to talk about savings and investments a little bit important things. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about goal setting, how to save, some risks that might be involved with uh, mm -hmm. all of those things. Of course, we're talking about something that's a little bit more than what we've talked about in the past. We've covered some psychology. We've covered a little bit about budgeting, a little bit about debt. But now it's important to look at some savings and investments. So Definitely, because you want to get your money working for you, not just have it sitting away underneath your mattress. Exactly. And we're going to talk why that's the case in a moment. But the first thing we usually talk about when we're talking to people about saving and investing is setting some goals. Mm -hmm. So not just any goals. Yeah. Obviously they should be goals that motivate you. Mm -hmm. um, Smart goals. It's called specific goals that you can actually know what you're going to be working on. Mm. Like I want to be healthier. That's not specific enough. Maybe I want to lose weight or gain weight or gain muscle, things like that. Eat healthier, um, have more energy, different things like that. Something that is specific that you can What, what would be understand. some examples that are savings related? Savings would be that you want to save for something specifically, like getting replacing your fridge, getting a vehicle that we've been seeing our kids working on right now, trying to save enough money to for a specific amount for a vehicle. And they probably have their dream vehicle, but knowing that that will take too long to get there. They all do. <laughs> they all have a dream car. Yes, they it's do. It's a pipe dream Something right now. Something a little sporty. <laughs> but yeah. as well, there's other things to consider that it's measurable. So a specific amount, maybe they're going to save $10,000 for a vehicle and that it's attainable. Is that something that they can actually do? If they're working at a newspaper route and earning 30 to $50 a week, well, it's gonna take them too many years to get there. So that wouldn't, they wouldn't be very excited about that one. And that it's realistic, or other times we've heard it- Relevant. Relevant, yeah. Yes. The L seems to, or the R seems to flip around, but interchange it as needed. Yes. Relevant or or what did you say? Realistic. Realistic. Okay. Yeah. So are they going to go for that uh, Camaro or Charger or are they going to go for some nice little yeah. tuna can of a vehicle we call them? And that it's time bound. Yeah. You don't want something to arbitrarily say I'll work until I save $100,000. Well, that could take you a month, but could take you, that'd be nice to take you a month, but or 10 years. Yeah, so if you we need to have a time frame. give an example of a smart goal for savings, it could be something like, I want to save $15,000 for a reliable vehicle that can get me from A to B by December 31st. That hit all of them? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Actually, I remember a goal we decided on early on in our marriage. We said we wanted to be debt-free by the end of, yeah. I think it was 2010. Mm -hmm. This is where the magic comes in about being very specific. Yeah. Because we decided that... Uh, 
we were. We wanted to invest in the business and make it grow faster. Yeah. And then we wanted to have some liquid income to work with more. And we were debt free. We sold the house. We're also house free. Exactly. <laughs> homeless. <laughs> Not homeless. No, we had a place, but still. We figured uh, maybe we should be a little bit more specific with our yeah, goals. Exactly. That we still have what what it is that we really want. So. Exactly. So when you're setting a goal, a smart goal obviously is a good thing. I'm sure most of our listeners have heard about smart goals before. Mm-hmm. Write them down um, because it's only an idea until you write it down. It's a goal yeah. once you write it down, and then you got to make an action plan to do this thing and yeah. stick with your plan. The easiest way to make that action plan, though, is to use your budget. Something like Calendar Budget allows you to track what you're doing with your money so you can see what is affecting each purchase you make, uh, how it affects your later income, and the balances in your accounts. And that way you can actually plan for those goals. And you can track how you're doing with those goals as well. Yeah, so these goals um, come in different flavors. They should all be have these smart properties to them, mm-hmm. but there's short-term goals, long-term goals, and then maybe some mid-term goals. Yeah. So they'll have different uh, meanings, different flavors, to, but basically a short-term goal is something that's short-term. <laughs> so what does that mean? Usually like a year yeah. out, right? That's a good time frame. Yeah. So this is going to be something small like uh, a family vacation mm-hmm. or a fridge or you know, a computer, something that's not going to break your bank and it's easy to, attain, you know, quote unquote, easy to obtain. Yes. Um, midterm goals, if you're going to think about those, would be more like two to five years. And those will be a little bit larger purchases. You know, maybe that's a car. Maybe it's a down payment on a house. Could be something like that. It takes a little bit longer to save. And then your longer term goals be like five plus years. Yeah. This is like retirement you're thinking about here. Maybe if you're a parent, it would be like a kid's education. Mm-hmm. Could be a, a wedding for your kids, or maybe you're helping them with a home purchase, or maybe you're planning to leave an inheritance of some kind. We'll probably talk about that in another podcast entirely, but uh, we have some opinions about that. <clears throat> but the long-term goals and the short-term goals are basically how we suggest to kind of split the goals apart. Midterm goals, we usually just kind of lump them into short-term and long-term. Yeah. Um, so we usually, we'll basically use that as we move forward in the conversation here. But we tend to have specific savings accounts broken up into those areas so that we can keep track of what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, you don't want to like mingle your money that you're saving with your kind of regular spending money, your kind of your operations money, if it was a business, we would count it like that. But your petty cash, as it were, where you're like paying for your groceries and, and whatever else. We tend to have a separate account entirely for savings. Once money goes in there, then it is considered sacred and it doesn't get touched unless the goal for the saving has been reached or you know, if it's emergency savings, when an emergency happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and emergency savings should be a, a short-term goal for sure. Make sure your search uh, emergency savings reaches the threshold that you've set for that, whatever, $5,000 or whatever you've set for that. And then you can have other savings accounts as well. And there's, there's accounts you can get, savings accounts that don't cost anything. So like no fee accounts, mm-hmm. 
um, those are perfect for savings because there's nothing like monthly account fees to hit your savings goals and like what is this all about come on bank really and it's great idea then to have that uh, emergency savings again so that you can give that buffer to ensure you reach those other goals yeah that it does, the emergencies don't bite into that savings exactly so once you set some of these goals short-term long-term maybe midterm goals mm -hmm. um you're probably not going to be able to obtain or attain all of them. Uh, goals by their nature are things that you want, not need. If you need it, then, I mean, sure, maybe that can be a goal, uh, but that needs to be like fixed for sure. Mm -hmm. Most of your goals are going to be things that you're planning, that you maybe want in the future. And so you need to prioritize these because if you're like every other person I've ever met, your wants far exceed your ability to obtain said wants. Yes. Uh, so prioritizing these goals will allow you to decide, okay, where do I want to put my focus? Where do I want to, you know, this mysterious extra money that I have that I'm going to save, um, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, where, where do I put this towards? Um, because when you, if you just put it into a savings account and it's just growing an account, sure, that's great and commendable. But you're going to have less gumption or energy towards that goal, as it were, mm -hmm. if it doesn't have an idea backing it, like I'm saving for a vacation for the family. Yeah. If I'm just saving, if I'm just putting money into this account and it doesn't have a, a purpose, like a planned purpose, then you'll be more likely when you get extra money to just spend it on a night out for, exactly. at the restaurant. So yeah, I would say prioritize things. Um, and you know, you, this is an exercise you're not going to do by yourself. You should prioritize with your spouse, um, with your family. And, um, you know, if you get the kids together, they'll be more likely to be on board with it. If they understand, like maybe they'll be more likely to say, Hey, we don't need that dinner out at a restaurant every week. If we're going to go on a vacation in the summer. Exactly. Because uh, it, it aims, it, you know, focuses their energy as well onto this thing that you're going to do. And even more to consider, though, is don't forget those long-term goals because the short-term of getting onto the family vacation, those are important. But you could end up going on a number of family vacations and then forget the long-term that, oh, wait, at some point I need to re retire. At some point there's going to need to be a further education for either myself or my kids whatever it's going to be, you need to consider those to make sure the important things aren't forgotten, the needful things. Yeah, that's actually really important. Um, you don't want to neglect your long-term goals just because you have something that you can see a little closer to the, to the rate, to the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so the rest of what we're going to be discussing today is, is pretty general. Um, we're not financial experts and we don't know our listeners exact financial situation yeah. so you know you, you really need to talk to a financial advisor who can look at your exact situation look at your savings your goals and where you are in life and can give you specific advice for your situation so we're going to just kind of be giving general topical information agreed um, so when it comes to saving if you're using short term you mentioned uh, at the beginning to not use your mattress. Um, 
most most youth will be listening to this going mattress what the <laughs> heck are they talking about people used to do <clears> that yeah they would like stuff their money into their mattress to save it um i don't know why that's the case but <laughs> out of sight out of sight out of mind i guess i don't know yeah. these days it would be like putting it in a lockbox at home a safe or just a you know a, a hiding place at home so why do you why not use a mattress why not use a, a hiding place at home or even just in your checking account because neither of them earn interest and you need to get yeah. interest working in your favor yeah before we get to interest i would say another important reason for not just saving like a, a wad of cash at home is it's not secure mm -hmm. like your home can be broken into um you probably have people coming into your home from time to time friends friends of your friends of friends uh, of, of, your, friends. of your family and so forth if something goes missing there's no recourse for that mm -hmm. you know it's that's it's gone it's no just insurance gone. on it yeah well there's house, house insurance, insurance yeah but if you get a good luck claiming that is what i'm saying if you if somebody breaks in and takes money you can't just say i had a five hundred thousand dollars in cash in my room <clears throat> yeah good luck well, what kind of proof do you have of that yeah exactly you, you have to have a way to prove this and that's not going to happen yeah it's unlikely to happen what i'd say so yeah. putting it into something like a savings account or a checking account that secures it in a couple of ways um one nobody's going to rob the bank per se sometimes the bank does get robbed we see it in movies all the time but but yours money secure the money is guaranteed if it's insured uh, like we're in canada all the banks in Canada are in, are secured and, and insured. So there's this thing you can look at, um, at you know, in the window of the bank or whatever called FDIC in the United States, CDIC in Canada. It's um, like uh, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which means this money is insured. Yeah. Um, if it ever gets stolen, if you know, if the bank is an idiot and stores the cash there, and then they have a fire, and your money literally burns. It's not gone, right? Um, it would be insured and it would still be yours. If it gets robbed, it's insured, insured by the government, by the way. So the government backs these institutions. Right. Um, you know, they're not always the most responsible with it, but it's insured nonetheless. So that's a, an important thing to look for. Um, if you do use a savings account, though, or a checking account, you're going to notice that the insurance, or not the insurance, the interest rate that you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. High or low in a, in a checking account? Checking account, none. Savings account, low interest. Yeah. It depends what depends bank you're on. with. Um, yeah. Sometimes checking accounts do have an interest rate on them, but usually they don't. Um, and even a savings account, even if it's a high interest savings account, that just means it's high compared to normal savings accounts. It's still pretty low. Yeah. Like you'd be lucky to get like two and a half, maybe 3% under special circumstances if you maintain a minimum balance and don't withdraw the money. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you gotta be careful. Look for like no fee accounts that we mentioned earlier. Look for the restrictions around, do you have to have a minimum balance to get this higher interest rate? And what are, you know, can I, can you move the money in and out? Usually you can put money in there, but they don't want you to take money out. And if you do, it like, wrecks the interest rate that you thought was high yeah 
So be careful about that. Other... That, that's intrigued me actually, how they have these different savings accounts. If you leave it in for 90 days, 180 days, or five years, whatever it is, yeah. that you earn a different interest rate yeah. with each of them. And it's, I find it intriguing how that all works and how it all adds up. But... Well, you know why they do that. The bank wants your money. Why do they want the money? Because they, they invested in the stock market. <laughs> They can make some income through, as well. Through mutual funds and other, other things, not just the stock market. Yeah. But they, they invest your money. Mm. And the longer you keep it in the bank, the more they can invest it in third-party places. It's highly leveraged. Um, there's some good uh, movies that talk about how banks are, are so leveraged. You might not even know what that means. But it basically means they have uh, this much money, but they're investing as if they had this much money um, and it's crazy how it's even illegal to do that but it is it's totally legal and uh, that's how it is mm -hmm. um, there's other things that you can use uh, for short-term savings other than a savings account and a checking account um, we're not going to go into them in much detail here but there's like treasury bills also known as t-bills mm -hmm. um, certificates of deposit known as cds um, there's money market funds and there's a few other things. Basically, each of those have their pros and their cons and I, I would suggest just you know consult a, a financial advisor to figure yeah. out what's the best thing for you because there's a lot of factors involved around can, when can you take the money out and so forth. So all of these things, you know, you just need to get educated about yeah. and make sure you understand. Uh, you don't need to become a financial professional, but that's why we have financial professionals out there to yeah. put the money in the best place. Don't don't leave it sitting in a two percent savings account. And that's uh, why we ourselves we consulted with a financial advisor so we could have our money working best for us. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And to find the best vehicles that would work for our needs. Yeah. Um, for longer term investments, longer term savings, there are other investment vehicles to. Mm -hmm put your money into and those depend a lot on <clears throat> a number of factors like what's your income like what what is your age right now when do you plan to retire and what are your goals and what's your risk level at and all these things again you, you need to consult a professional yes. to get personalized recommendations and it's important to do those things like long-term savings is super important because that's your retirement you're talking about and unless you want to work and up until the day you die um, which is unrealistic because you know frailty comes with age as well and you'll be less able to do work we're seeing that happen a little more often I find these days though that uh, older people having to work because they didn't have enough retirement savings so they needed to find something and some people are just working because they need something to do with their time so they don't just fall asleep all the time or whatever. Yeah, so two different camps there, right? The need to work at, at a senior age and then wanting to work are different things. Yeah. If you want to work because you're just bored and you've filled your life doing something and you, you haven't found another outlet for your time, mm -hmm. you know, that's one thing. But if you don't want to work and you must because you have not enough savings, then that's a, that's a real struggle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I hate to see that, um, yeah. and it's the case with, with a lot of people. But, you know, if you're in your younger years, and when I say younger, even 
even 40s, 50s, still young. You can still make a difference for your retirement. So don't, you know, if you're like in your, if in your 50s, don't be like, oh, it's too late. And I'm just, no, no, it's never too late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, every investment, though, has Risk. risks. So there's a bunch of types of risk. What, what are the types of risk we need to worry about? There are a few. There's capital risk, meaning that you will possibly lose the in original investment that you, you had. And so if you invest $100,000, maybe the um, investment goes down and you can lose that in initial investment or part of it. You could lose all of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's unlikely, really unlikely, but you've seen it where, like if you invest it in a stock market and that like stock crashes. completely crashes, um, yes. you could lose everything. So just be careful about that. We'll talk about some ways to avert that or, or like mitigate that risk. Yeah, a balance. Yeah. So inflation risk, Yeah. that involves when inflation goes up, that the money that you invested, its buying power isn't as much as it used to be. Yeah, we just saw a, a new film on Netflix called Get Smart With Money. It's actually really well done. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it's like an hour and a bit long. I like um, that. Somebody in there explained it really well. So inflation is basically how the value of your money goes down over time because the prices of things continue to go up. Mm -hmm. That's just inflation. Because prices are rising over time, money that you sit on, if you just like put it in your mattress, uh, $100 today will have less buying power in five years. Yes. Because prices keep going up, but your $100 is still $100. So the only way to get around that is to invest it. So you take this $100 and rather than just sitting it in a, in a mattress or, or whatever, you invest it so that it can grow as well. Something a little bit along the lines of inflation as well that decreases the buying power is maybe you decide to move somewhere more remotely that like an island, now there's costs to get the food and the things that you need over to the island that needs to be accommodated in the cost of selling the items. So that could increase costs as well, which I, I have family on vacation on an island now and costs of living have gone up there for them. But Well, I think they've, they've gone up proportionally there, but compared to where we live, they're significantly cool. less, I would I would think. Yeah, taxes. Taxes really hit them there compared to here. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah it does depend where you live. Um, if you live in a really urban area, like if you live in Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles, and then you move to the middle of Wisconsin, guess what? Your living expenses are going to go down drastically. drastically, and suddenly the amount of money you have is way more buying power. Yeah. Uh, so it can work Thanks in both directions. Consider. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Then there's a liquidation risk. So Li liquidity risk. Yes. Yeah. How easy is it for you to get rid of that item, whether it's a piece of art or real estate? So maybe you think I'll invest in this real estate and I'll have somebody rent it out. Well, what if it takes a long time to get a renter? So you don't have that income that could help mitigate the costs. What if the renter puts damage on the house? Do you have to fix that? What if you just the market goes down and you don't get to sell the house for what you're expecting? Yeah. 
or even less than what you purchased it for in the first place. Mm-hmm. We've seen that happen recently where things went way up and now they're oh, yeah. going down again. Housing, so. housing cost bubble. That was no good. Yeah. So you have to be careful with that. Yeah. And you may incur a loss or like lose it all, depending on what happens. It's possible. So that liquidity, um, I'm, I'm sure most people know what this term means, but if you think of something, if you want to be able to use it, it needs to be able to move around and it needs to be like, they use liquid as the state of matter. Mm-hmm. I can put a drop here, a drop there, a drop there. If it's all one frozen bundle, <clears throat> you can't split it apart. You can't really use it. So it's not liquid and it's just kind of stuck. Yeah. And, and liquidity risk is when it's stuck in the investment because you can't, can't get it out for whatever reason. Yeah. Either you can't sell it um, or maybe it's an investment vehicle like a GIC or something that's like, stuck there for two years and you can't get it out because you agreed to leave it there for two years. Yeah. Uh, Not anticipating that some sort of emergency was going to come up or finally decide to buy a house. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. So there's one other type of risk. It's just financial risk or credit risk. Uh, And this one is just, um, you know, if you're, we talked earlier about that FDIC guarantee, like the insurance for your money. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everything is insured. Like if you deposit your money with your friend, yeah, right, you, like by a loan, and he goes bankrupt, where's your money gone? It's gone. That's a financial risk. Yes. So l- look again to for that FDIC, CDIC symbol to mitigate that kind of a risk. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. your research. Yeah, exactly. And all of these risks that we're talking about, don't be scared off by these risks. These are like normal risks. We're just making you aware of them. Yeah. Um, they shouldn't scare you away from investing your money because the worst risk of all is doing nothing is doing nothing and not having any money saved whatsoever mm-hmm. so these risks are not so bad uh, and they're much better than stuffing your mattress if you're a hundred years old mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay but you can mitigate it by we were talking about that before you find a balance mm-hmm. you need to f- invest in different funds that will give you different interest rate, different securities. Yes, there's a word for this magic word, diversification. Mm-hmm. So when you diversify, if you've seen this on movies or heard it used before, it just means that you're putting your money in different things. And it's not like, it's not like the stock market where you're like, oh, I'll put some of my money in Apple and some of it in Facebook and some of it in my friend's company. That's still just the stock market. There's other vehicles like like treasury bills and and certificates of deposit and the stock market and the money market and the mutual funds market and and your plain old savings account and a plain old savings account yeah uh we're going to talk i think next week about some different other savings vehicles that are available like uh, 401k rsps that Mm -hmm. kind of thing so yeah there's lots of different ways and diversifying is splitting your money into various of these so that if one or even two or several of these tank or don't perform very well, you're, you're more balanced um, because it's almost impossible that all of them would fail all simultaneously. And we worked with our financial advisor to find the best balance for us so we could ensure we would be prepared to reach our financial goals. For sure. You're, you're, so, some of these vehicles are more risky than others. Mm-hmm. Like we just talked about all those risks, but you know, some vehicles have much greater risk of having like 
um, total failure. <laughs> Maybe this could go to zero. You could have like total financial risk on this um, or total capital risk on this. But it also has the potential to have like 20% return. Mm -hmm. So with that risk of fail comes a risk of gain as well. And so while you, you know the old saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Same with your money. You don't want to put everything in a highly risky thing. Um, so you kind of, kind of balance it. And if you work with a financial advisor, they'll do a risk assessment with you, which helps you figure out how do you, you know, how are you feeling about risk? Because some people, some people are adverse to it. Some people really don't want to risk anything. Yeah. Unfortunately, that also means they're not going to gain much because they're going to be, you know, four percent interest on this whatever investment it's going to be pretty low we'll talk about again next week about why the rate of return is so important mm -hmm. um but it it, it is <laughs> it's super important early um, on i think in our marriage it would have been easier to say okay we're high risk no problem yeah. because we have a lot of time for it to be able to bounce back if there's going to be an issue or to gain more money to invest if the money's lost from the first investment for sure. So your, your, your risk tolerance may change significantly over the course of your life. Mm -hmm. um, as we're getting into our, almost hate to say it, more senior years. We're not there yet. I know, I don't feel, I don't feel senior at all. But, you know, as you, as you look at your potential retirement time, um, let's say you're going to retire in five years you might be less likely to put your money in a highly risky investment because it has the potential to just disappear. Yep. Um, whereas if you're 20 years old, eh, if it disappears, no big deal. You've got lots of time to build it up still, right? Mm -hmm. But you could win. You could have a huge windfall. Anyway, a professional will work with you on that risk tolerance and your an assessment with you to figure out what's the right balance so that you take advantage of some of the the higher potential gains that are out there while still maintaining a base yeah um, that's best for you so if i get uh, some interest on my investments take it go spend it that's usually not how it works not at all and leave it in there in most cases that's not even an option yeah in fact the only the only case i can think of where that's an option is your savings account yeah um in most of these other investment vehicles, the money is actually not in front of you. And it's not in a, an account you can look up. I mean, you, yes, you can look it up. But it's not like an account where you can transfer money out of in a simple way like you do with your bank accounts. Mm -hmm. It's in this plan and you're you know, contributing money to this plan regularly, hopefully regularly. Mm -hmm. And this money just kind of sits in this plan and it, whatever gains it makes, just automatically get reinvested in the plan. And so if you if you invest $1000 and the plan makes 50 bucks, now you've got $1050 invested in the plan and then the next round of of interest will apply to all of that. So mm -hmm. again, we'll talk about that more next week, but that's like compound interest is your best friend. One book that I uh, read that made that very interesting and clear to me 
was uh, the richest man in Babylon, where he was saying, invest the money, and then your money investments will have children, and take those children, invest them, and kind of thing like that, and just kind of kept saying repeated. I found it very interesting to make it so concrete. Simple terms, huh? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. You'd have it in, outlined it. So. <laughs> Put your coins in there. What are they getting up to? I don't know, but a third appeared. <laughs> the birds and the coins. Is that the, uh, the new message of the day? Another discussion. <clears throat> yeah. So there's other investment options. Um, what, what other investment options would make sense if you're not going to use like a bank account or some of these traditional financial vehicles? Well, you have some non-traditional ones that would be things like art, where those things uh, at, when you first buy them would be one sum, one lump sum that you can get. Yeah, they tend to appreciate over time. Exactly, especially if you get like a Rembrandt or whatever. Get the Mona Lisa. Exactly. Sell it to the Louvre. No problem, right? Uh, other things you have antiques. And I love those shows where they go, people don't know what they have and they bring them in and <laughs> try to get their nothing. Try to get the most money. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Coins and other collectibles. Um, I know my mom collects thimbles. I don't know if they'll be of any real value, but... Maybe to a seamstress. Exactly. <laughs> no, I know they're collectibles. Yeah. <clears throat> but you have to know that those things are of worth, that it is going to be of value. You, you don't always know what they're going to be. And, and those kind of forms of... You called them non-traditional. They might be called traditional because those are like the original investments um, mm. but those forms of savings they come with their own risks as well same as like financial vehicles yeah um, they they may get destroyed you know like a piece of art could get destroyed exactly in a fire it could get stolen um, you know hopefully you have it insured but or if it's rental property it could be destroyed for whatever yeah, happens could nature or the rental person exactly and, and just because you have this thing if it's a piece of art doesn't mean it's worth $500,000 because that it's, it's supply and demand. If nobody's willing to pay $500,000 for this, then it's not worth that much. It's worth whatever the, the potential buyer says. And it could take time then if you do need to sell it. Exactly. It could take time. That's not an instant thing to have. Yeah, exactly. So if we use the example of real estate, well, how would that look if we considered the risks of and like a real estate investment property. So I'm not living in this property, but I'm using it as an investment. What does that look like? So maybe you have a mortgage to pay on it because you've decided I will purchase this as an investment. You need the income right away in order to mitigate the costs that you're gonna have with the mortgage. But if you can't find a renter right away, how are you supposed to pay that to the, pay the mortgage if you don't have that income? You also have uh, damage and fire or anything that could happen that you need to take care of and the time that it takes to control what's happening there, to make sure the client is taken care of, the tenant, that they have all their needs met for any repairs or upgrades that need to happen. Maybe there's like asbestos in the house. Now you have to take care of that. <clears throat> oh my. Hopefully you didn't purchase that house with that in it. But. Yeah. Yeah, there could be government regulations that change, mm -hmm. which suddenly thrust the value of housing in general up or down yes um, public sentiment could just change like we just came from out of a housing bubble and all the cost of housing was like just inflated for whatever reason mm -hmm. and then suddenly it went down yes. so the cost of a real estate investment can just 
go up and down. Although it tends to go up over time in the short term. I've seen for a few people as well where the renter, uh, rental owner, was charging something when the person first move, moved in and they were being nice to the tenant and they kept the cost down for whatever reason. Or during COVID, we've seen where they did like a price froze uh, on, freeze, some, yeah. freeze on <clears throat> some of the costs. So then all of a sudden now COVID's gone or time has changed and this rental cost has not gone up. And really, if they had somebody new come in, they could probably be earning another 500 to $1,000 more a month. Yeah. So yeah. that could be the challenge as well, where you could be earning more if the tenant changed, but you need to be respectful and to the tenant as well. Yeah, so these kind of alternate investment vehicles, like you've just been describing, all have pros and cons. So just mm -hmm. doesn't mean don't do them. It just means be aware. Be, yeah. You know, if you're going to use those as, a, as, a, as an investment, then more power to you. Just make sure they're insured. Make yep. sure that you have considered these risks. Go into it with eyes wide open. Do your research. Exactly. Find out if there's ways to mitigate those challenges that will come up. Maybe that we will review the... Um, contract in two years to reevaluate. Yeah. Kind of thing like that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about long term investing. So we're, we're, when I say long term investing, yeah, we said five plus years. I'm thinking long, long really long term, like retirement long term. Mm -hmm. um, again, we're giving just general information here. There's no one size fits all answer. So it really depends on your specific situation um, and it depends on what your goals are yeah like some you know person a and person B may have wildly different short and long-term goals and one wants to live in the lap of luxury and the other is happy to live a modest life mm -hmm. and that's gonna mean vastly different retirement savings needing uh, needs yep um, so you got to work with a professional to figure this out. Um, but a general rule of thumb, again, just general, is that in your retirement, you'll need about 70% of the income you were earning before you retired. Right. Um, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. It really depends on your individual circumstances, but that's just a general rule. Again, that's why it's important to consult with pro who can help you figure these details out you may think that i don't intend on traveling but maybe something else comes up like you have bad health all of a sudden that yeah. it's going to take a lot more cost so exactly you don't know what's going to happen and there's other factors like what do you plan to do during retirement mm -hmm. um, you're sitting at home <clears throat> or are you traveling exactly uh, are you going to be like the the retiree who gets a, a ferrari um, or are you going to be golfing you know, those are wildly different goals. Uh, maybe both. Also, are there other forms of support? Is there government support? Is there an employee pension plan in place? Do you want to leave an inheritance to your children? Mm -hmm. Are you maybe going to be receiving inheritances? Not that you should ever plan on that. Yeah. But crazy enough, the older you get, the more likely people are in your life to pass away. And... So there's a chance, but again, never plan on that, obviously. Um, the general advice in terms of how much to save is about 10%, tithing rule, right? 10 to 20%. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, at least 10%. Yeah. Um, some people have gone as high as 50 or even more percent. Yeah, like, I don't, yeah. That's very difficult to live like that because you're sacrificing an awful lot to live that much savings. That would be the artifi- artificial environment of scarcity that we talked about a yeah. few episodes ago. Yeah, for sure. That would be, that would be very difficult, 50%. But at, the, at a very minimum, 10%. And this, you know, if you don't have any goals, then just put it into an account. But set some goals there for what we talked about earlier. It'll motivate you more to do the savings if you have some actual goals for them. And just get started. Exactly. Get started today. Like, talk about what your plans are with your, with your partner. Figure out some goals and set up a meeting with a financial advisor. If you don't have one... Just call like the nearest financial institution. They'll be very happy to set up something with you. <laughs> Time is your friend when it comes to investments. Yeah, it really is. Um, and we're going to talk about that more next week. So some recommendations for this week's topics. Set some goals, short-term, long-term goals. Prioritize your goals so that you know which ones are the most important and make a plan for how you're gonna invest, a la talk to a financial advisor, mm-hmm. get things in motion. And track that plan so you know that you're on goals. Exactly, on once you have those pl- things in place, then you can manage your day-to-day budget to achieve those. Exactly. So there you go, happy budgeting. Happy budgeting. I can pay cash, I can pay check, I can pay wire transfer, I can pay gift card, I can pay credit, I can pay anything you like. I can pay cash, I can pay check, I can pay wire transfer, I can pay gift card, I can pay credit, I can pay anything you like.